Hello and welcome back to the Round Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Mike Breslin. Hello. It's like I had Tourette's then, you know, you just sort of get ready to get it out. <laughs> so, laugh, Dave. Um, and, of course, that man right there, laughing away, chuckling, Dangerous Dave Harris. Cheers, Will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say anything? I was sort of waiting for you to say to me. Um, how are you both? You all all right? All good, man. Yourself? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. Why is that, just, Will? Just, just, for the, just for the viewers, the Dave's viewers, just to let you know, right now we're recording this on a Wednesday night. Bit of a late record. Um, Chelsea are playing Barnsley. And uh, I turned on one of those slightly dodgy streams. Or I didn't turn on one of those slightly dodgy streams <laughs> if you're a member of the constabulary listening in. Um <laughs> I uh, turned on one of those things and I was greeted. I was greeted by uh, Emerson Palmieri with uh, blonde highlights. And let me tell you, just when I thought it couldn't get worse at Chelsea Football Club, it has in fact got worse. Uh, <laughs> maybe the worst player I've ever seen with the worst haircut I've ever seen. There we are. Um, anyway, just to, let you, just to let you know, I think I think we're two up now. Kai Havertz has apparently scored his debut goal, which is good because, uh, God, they gave me a rough time the first two games. Anyway, I'm... I'm just rambling now. For what it's worth, lads, I'm I'm good too. Yeah, cheers. I don't really care. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Just, just let you know. I just I ask you that question every week, David. You've never once said anything <laughs> interesting. Um, so, <laughs> forty episodes in. Forty episodes in. Weird. I'm still I'm still waiting for the first time I listen to David. I'm like, that's an insightful point. Anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on. Let's let's talk about some football rather than Dave. Um, uh, let's just stick stick with the theme of being angry and stuff, and let's talk about Man United versus Crystal Palace first, because um, uh, <laughs> I, um, Dave, I don't want to speak for you here, but um, it will never not be funny to me that United are terrible. And one of the yeah. one of the great joys of my life is watching United lose and melt down, mm-hmm. and all the fans melt down. However, this game. Had a few incidents in it that um, annoyed me a little bit much. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this moment to offer Mike Breslin five minutes to talk about United and why he's annoyed with them. I just can't. Actually, can I start by saying that the United Twitter blow-up actually annoyed me even more. (laughs) (laughs) That probably riled me up more than the game. Because it was just absolutely wild. Do you want to take one minute on United Twitter? Because me and you, Mike, we were playing a uh, we were playing the old Warzone last night, just chatting away to each other as we do. And uh, I was telling you that I'd seen some tweets where they were like, "Mason Greenwood, one goal, uh, zero pounds," and then it was like, oh, "Aguero, thirty-eight million pounds, zero goals." <laughs> Who's better? I'm like, that is the dumbest tweet I've ever seen. <laughs> Like it's so dumb, and it's always with United Twitter. Anyway, it's like the Martial, the Martial movie or whatever. I don't know. Pompey just... Senior, mate. God, <sighs> it's always a movie I... when Martial links up. Anyway, Mike. Yeah, United Twitter, just blow it up. To be honest, <laughs> Twitter, then we'll just, just get it out. Um, yeah, I-, I predicted this three-one in United's favour. It turned out three-one to Palace, so that was really good. Yeah. Uh, Nice to see the boys start the season well. Mm-hmm. They they look as if they've they've not really had a break. No, even though they've been off for the last three weeks, mm. they might as well have just carried on. 
Um, Zaha absolutely torn apart. In fact, let's start with <laughs> where, where was Ramba Saka? That's a very good point. When I saw Fosu Mensa starting, I knew, I knew, I knew it was problems. Right, uh, I'm, I've got a, I've got an idea to float past you. You know, everyone keeps talking about how United need a, a mobile, good one-on-one defender to part the Maguire at, at centre half. Why don't we just put Wambasaka there? Am I being daft? I don't think so. Because he seems to be the perfect Let's partner. Let's check his height well before and we he's, say this any further. He's useless as a fullback. <laughs> I don't against most attack. teams. You don't you don't have to be that tall, do you? Yeah, no, half anymore. Look at City. They're playing Nathan Ake. They've got he's Eric. He's six Garcia. foot to be fair. Yeah, get him in. When, there. Get when him Nathan, in there. Nathan Ake and Eric Garcia yeah, are enough. playing for City, it's like watching the cast of the Borrowers have a kick about. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of my favourite. That's one of our favourite things you said, Will. And, and you want to talk about height, right? They're going to play Chris Wood and Burnley, who are the only team in the league who's put it about seven feet up in the air once a season. No, I, I was thinking more if he's like one of those five foot seven fullbacks. Don't really want some that. That's sure. Uh, yeah, you, you don't want Luke Shaw partnering him at centre back, but with Wambasaka, you could probably get away with other thought. Um, yeah. It's not a bad idea. They may well, well, they, they probably won't try it in, in a cup game, but they could do. Let me tell you now, Lindelof in this game is atrocious, Mike. Absolutely atrocious. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, he's put in some pretty awful performances in a United shirt. He's put in some good ones, I will give him that. Juventus. Um, yeah, but this was not one of his better ones. Uh, that's for sure. We got nothing from Fernandez, Pogba, Rashford, no. Martial. Dan James started, which I thought was... I mean, I really thought Boring. we were past the stage of Dan James starting a game in the Premier I, League. Just Dan James, Dan, right? Let's just accept that Dan. I keep seeing Dan James called the Welsh Sonic, which, to be honest, I think is pretty harsh to Sonic. Yes. He's pretty good on the counter, um, and against teams that aren't sitting deep. But Palace were only ever going to come to United and sit deep. So what are they doing? He's fine when he's running with the ball because no one can catch him. But then as soon as it comes to the end product, I oh, forget it. Yeah. You might as well just not bother. Um, how much of this, Dave, do you reckon was... Because United, as Mike said, looked a bit leggy. Um, Palace had obviously had a slightly longer pre-season. Um, United only played the one game, I think, against Villa. And they'd already played. How much of that could you see been an effect on the game? I'd like to say it would affect them a lot. But they just look... I feel like we're making excuses for them if we go down that. Right. There's no excuse really for them to not be not be match fit at least. And they I didn't think they looked like it was a preseason game. There especially, is a... especially Pogba in midfield. There's there's a clip that's gone viral on Twitter of I think he loses the ball. Does a horror straight pass. No, he, he does a horror straight pass, wins it back, immediately stops running, and then makes a tackle and just poots the ball out of play. He just, I don't know what he's doing there. But um, I also thought, I, yeah, I get that they're tired, but I just, as we said, well, we don't like Man United and when things go against them, it's great. Okay. So I'm not about really to back great. them. And I had say anything other than Solskjaer got his team selection horribly wrong. I was going to let United off with, with the whole short pre-season, haven't played a game thing till I watched Man City play on Monday. Yeah. 
It's a good point. And they were just so so much better. Yeah. Than, than United were. But the, I mean, the the one thing you would say is again, for United looked really tired to close last season. Um, but you said he Solskjaer got his team selection wrong, Dave. How? I just can't believe he's putting Fosu Manson and Dan James not only in the I, team, I bit, but starting on the same side. side as well. Yeah, McTominay, I'm not sure. So, I'm not sure why you're not playing Van der Beek, to be but, honest. Right, so... Matic right, wasn't I, even in the squad. Answer, but... Is, yeah, Matic, well, is Matic injured? He wasn't even in the squad. Just, let's just take a, let's take a second. Um, Evera raised the points as well, along with just been an absolute shitter about Wilfred Zahar. <laughs> yeah. like, Patrice Evra, you sh- Wilfred Zahar has spoken at length about how those rumours have affected him and you shared a team route. You shared a, um, a dressing room with him. You're a dickhead. He could anyway. sue him for that, for sure. <laughs> anyway, move on. Um, but he was asking the question about why Van der Beek um, wasn't playing. Um, Mike, do you want to answer it? Because I think it's a pretty simple one, to be honest. He, he plays in, in a similar spot to where Pogba and Fernandez play. Yeah, so. Exactly. Okay. If you have those two in the team, you can't have another one, really. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So, like, I mean, you look at City. City, even even Pep Guardiola, who's just a footballing maverick and attack, 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 he will always play a holding play. He won't play three eights. He'll always play a six. True. And that's what Tomane is supposedly in there to do. But um, Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing yeah. he was there because maybe Matic is injured. I don't know why he, otherwise he wouldn't be in the squad because he was definitely the best holding midfielder last year. Yeah. Matic was. Nice balance with the other two as well. Yeah, those three look really good together. Yeah, so well, hopefully we can get Fred. that back together. What about? Fred? Surely you'd rather play Fred than McTominay. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, I guess the other talking points. Zahar was very, very good. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, he looks fact, he looks really good this year. His third goal, um, Zahar's second was was excellent. Um, mm-hmm. They looked really dangerous on the break. I do think, obviously, Palace were really good and want to give him every bit of credit. That being said, I think probably want to talk about uh, the pen because um, it was it was the first of a couple of decisions that were con- well, they were a bit got people up in uproar. So, two of you, just one word answer: yes or no, pen. No. Dave. No, no, not at all. Right, uh, not just because it's United, by the way. It's same, that's just not a pen. It's so harsh. Same process. The um, retake. Did you have a problem with that? Yeah. Why? I mean, are you? Why? I didn't know. I don't know if I've ever seen a retake where they changed the penalty taker before. Oh, you can do that. Because technically, the penalty uh, just been taken. I just thought the whole decision was really harsh on De Gea. Really, but he I, broke, but he broke the the rule. Okay, um, there's going to be a lot of times this season where a keeper moves a tiny bit off their line and VR won't give a penal a retake, and that that's a fact. They're not they going to pick that up. They're looking for it this year, though. They yeah. did this in the Women's World Cup, I think. Yeah, the same thing. Happening. Just, it was a joke then. And I don't know why they'd extend that rule after seeing how much of a joke it was. Yeah, I think it's harsh. Mm. So, the penalty, um, everyone was um, having a go at VAR. Um, We've all talked at length about how uh, we feel about VAR. But once again, not to be the same old broken record, this very much feels like um, 
the law letting it's them down. It's no. not Vars' fault. Mike, with the handball rule, um, what would you like to see it change to? I, I really didn't think it was that bad when it was like intent. Especially now with VAR, you can t- tell a bit more. Mm. But, I mean, what is Lindelof supposed to... People are just going to start kicking the ball at people's arms. Mm-hmm. If that's a penalty. They just yeah. are. Because why wouldn't yeah. you in the box? Mm. So, I personally didn't think it was a penalty. By in, in what I would think a penalty is. But letter of the law, probably. Um, the problem, again, was inconsistency. Because yeah. not long after, in the West Ham game, Gabriel... Mm-hmm. Um, has exactly the same thing happen to him and doesn't get given. So yeah. is is that the most annoying thing rather than the stupid rule? Would you rather see them all called or non-called? No, none of them. You don't want to see any of them called? But I just want some consistency. Is it more annoying that the, the problem with VAR is that because it's still an individual decision at the other yeah. end of the line... It's just someone's opinion. ...that we still get... Even though we've got this technology, we're still... Gonna, we're still getting a fair amount of mistakes. It feels like. Yeah, that's fine. At least, at least in this case, the ref went to the monitor, I think, and he yeah. looked at it. So, so long as it's the ref in the ground, that's what I was pushing for all the last season. Yeah, it is happening now. So at least that's the case. Yeah. So the ref refs the game, which is mm-hmm. what I always wanted. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Anthony Taylor. <laughs> in which case, this ball rule is an absolute joke. No, I mean, so, I mean, they might have to change it mid-season because otherwise, it's just going to get stupid. I'm, I'm going to have a blow up about this rule soon. I'm, we're only two <laughs> weeks into the season. <laughs> How can they change? I mean, that's interesting. I'm, not, I'm not sure you can change a rule mid-season. I don't give a shit. They can't go a season <laughs> with this. Well, I mean, it might be the Man United been on the. Uh... The other end of a slightly rogue penalty decision. I think, no, it's not. It's not just Man United. There's <laughs> a, I think it's just the one in the Spurs game is a joke. That's a good well. point. So obviously we're going to come to the Spurs game, but um, you want to talk us through that one as well because that one felt even worse to me. I think it is worse. Well, yeah, it probably is worse. I don't. I I just don't know what. A, well, I do know what a penalty is. Any time it hits your arm in the penalty area, it's a penalty apparently. So, I mean, it was the, the Leeds one where, um, you know, again, where it hits his leg and then bounces up onto his yeah, arm. What is he supposed to do don't about understand. that? I mean, the other... And then, yeah, guy... in the Spurs game, it, it came off his teammate or the, the other player and bounced up yeah. and hit him in the arm. Yeah. But, I, I mean... How I, is that... Oh, I, God. I think what's happened is they've taken, a, they've taken a rule, and this is almost a bit of a care for what you, you wish for, because... What do we all? What we have always say is, um, we want it to be clear. We want it to be clear. We want it to. We want the referee to know exactly this thing. We want less interpretation because the referees are getting the interpretation wrong. And what they've done here is they've cleared it up. Safe. Look, if it's the, if it's it's his arm. He's, it's no. There's nothing like intention or something. Not something that we can sort of guess at. It's something that has it happened or not. Then we give a penalty. So I mean, I don't think it's right, but it's a double-edged sword. You've got to give. I mean, you've got to give them a bit of distance. That that was one thing that they used to have, didn't they? they had to travel yeah. a little mm-hmm. way and look to be mm-hmm. outside of the normal silhouette. I'd be fine with going back to that, mm. to be honest, because this is just... I mean, it's just woeful. It is. It is really bad. Um, now, let's move away from United. And let's... let's, let's talk. This is going to be a, seg- a great segue, by the way. Get ready. Speaking of... <laughs> 
Speaking of distancing, the Southampton defence, Mike. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. I, right. <laughs> oh. Do you remember when the Bundesliga came back? And it was the only football we'd had in months. And we sat on this podcast and I said, it feels like a basketball game. Um, it feels like none of them know how to defend. Um, it feels like they all just play ridiculously high lines and it's almost like a city-wide idea that we're going to let people run in behind so there's lots of goals. Um, Southampton, I think, have forgotten what league they're in. Because <laughs> at the weekend, um, I think Spurs scored the same goal four times. It was a bit different for the fifth. But every single time they gave Harry Kane drops into like a little number 10 position, gave him time and space to pick out a pass for Hume Son right over the top. And they didn't fix it at all. Is It was clearly a problem. Is it a little bit of a worry to you that they didn't fix it and that people are going to know how to play against Southampton? I mean, after it happened four times, that's the exact <laughs> same thing. I couldn't I, believe it. I mean, you'd think experienced professionals, even on their own, would come up with some sort of solution to this, <laughs> let alone let alone the manager, who admittedly did come from the Bundesliga. So he maybe did, yeah. I assume that's where this philosophy came from. But you, you've got to do something about it. The high line was clearly not working after two or three goals. So to go yeah. and concede another one or two after that, mm-hmm. exactly the same. Just mm-hmm. I'd be pretty frustrated if I was a Southampton fan. <laughs> Yeah, so Dave, um, we'll come to Spurs in a second. Um, but Southampton start the season with two losses, um, both at home. Um, they look like a bit off the pace, mm-hmm. and they also look a bit tired. Are you worried? Not worried, but are you starting to think that maybe we were a bit too high on them? I don't know because they started awfully last year and turned it around, but surely they can't have another bad start and get away with it. Um, clearly have problems in the defence same with the midfield I don't they need to do something to address it because they can't can't keep trying to play how they're trying to play it's just going to get punished Hmm. I don't know if it's hard to say yet if we've been too high on them because it's a team that did lose 9-0 and still managed to finish pretty well more than pretty safely very safely mid-table so there it is, Southampton surely, fans. Surely Mention they, of the 9-0. It was always coming, wasn't it? Can't talk about Southampton without mentioning the lost 9-0. Surely they can't do it again. Surely if they start so poorly, there's surely they can't turn it around. Not at least to the extent of being safe. Like safe. Maybe they could stay up, but it would be a scrap. On the other side of this game, they, they actually... They attacked well. Other than their ridiculous defending, they were actually pretty good for at least the first half, I would have said. Yeah, they... Yes. Yeah. They they were probably the better side for the most part. Oh, they were comfortably the better side. Um, They just kept kept getting done the same way. So, I did want to talk about that. Um, I was was looking at our Twitter at half-time of this game, and I was... um, Unfortunately, we follow a lot of Tottenham fans. Um... And see, so sort I'll of reading, that. sort of reading that for them, this was like 
exactly the problem with Mourinho's Spurs in that they haven't got any structure. And you looked at one side in Southampton, you completely dominated the opening half. Right up until a moment of magic from Ndombele. And I cannot believe I'm saying that. Um, but they completely dominated the half. They should have been a, probably a, a, at least a goal to the good. Um, but whereas Mourinho was sort of kicking it long and was hadn't understood how to um, hadn't understood how to attack the Southampton team until I think a couple of like we said a couple of the more experienced players um, took it on themselves to actually win the game. Um, Mike complained about Mourinho a lot, but his Spurs they just look like they don't have a plan, don't they? Yeah. Uh, they seem to be relying on special performances from Son, Kane, the occasional Lucas Moore. Um, really occasional. Yeah, very occasional. But he does he does pop up occasionally with a something ridiculous. They're going to bring in Bale, so he's another star. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't really like their central midfield at all. So they are really relying on the front. The forward-thinking players to score and assist each other, pretty much as they did in this game. Yeah, um, to, they're going to be front-loaded. Assuming, assuming Bale is a, not a pale limitation of his former self, and he's, yeah. he's even half the flat. They're going to be front-loaded. Um, they've still got real problems with their midfield, Dave. Um, yeah, I, it seems to stem from a lack of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ndombele showed something here that he hasn't perhaps showed, even if he's yeah. Like I was going to say, strange. Ndombele, I felt, played pretty well in the first half. He also was, well, it was a really nice turn. He, he basically made something out of nothing for them to go and score the equaliser. Um, he looked like he actually had some something about him. Last so, season, he sort of jogged around the pitch, great on the ball but would do well, nothing of it. He actually looked like he wanted to fight for the team and be more of a combative midfielder. This this time, I mean, he got subbed off and I was like a bit harsh, but they went on I, to, I think he was to score four goals. So. Yeah, I think I think um, he showed... Don't question Mourinho's subs, basically. He came, he, came from, he came from France with a reputation as a creative player, so it isn't... It's suppose it's to be expected that he could do this, but um, it gave him a shot in the arm, really, because I keep coming on here every week, and there's at least one midfielder. I don't know what they do. Is um, it Harry Winks? Harry Winks, you and Andre Gomez. What the fuck do you do? Like you walk around, you keep the ball, but you don't really. Uh, Harry keep... Winks, yeah, Harry Winks. Like, Harry Winks was playing in a pivot, and all he seemed to do was be caught with James Ward-Prowse the other side of him and I'm like this is, James like James Ward-Prowse is not quick Harry Winks he's not I quick tell you what Harry Winks does other than short passes that's about it uh, he's, uh, he's not particularly great in attacker either I really don't know what he does no it's it's a weird midfield at Tottenham it's a it's been a bit of a not weird... sure I'm not sure Hoiberg's what they needed either to be honest. Well, that's this one I talk about because um, from their recruitment, so they've signed Doherty, who's best in a back five, very attacking fullback. They've signed Regulon, very attacking left back. Yeah. Um, Mourinho's not going to play with two attacking fullbacks. He never has done. 
Um, do you reckon this could see um, a shift to three four three, Brad? Particularly when Bale's fits, maybe a, the front three as expected, Hoiberg and another um, high energy person in the middle, and you get your creativity from the fullbacks, maybe. Oh, high energy, so not Deli Ali then. No, Deli Ali's off. Yeah, no, that'd be interesting. Um, I wonder if Jose's got that in his locker. I suppose with the front three, what you might as well play like that. Yeah, you can but... be solid with the back three, get some creativity, like you say, from your wing backs. It's particularly if they're both pretty attacking mm-hmm. as they would be, and then yeah, you need to find someone to partner Hoiberg. And if Ndombele shows the form that he did in that first forty-five for a bit longer, he could be pretty dynamic in there with Hoiberg. I'd have thought. Yeah, I mean it's particularly interesting because if you watch the three-four-three in the last time, it's probably really used in. You look at where it's been used in England effectively. You've got Wolves and you've got uh, Conte's Chelsea. You take a Dharma. You take a Dharma and you play him at right wing. You don't have to worry about him going the other way. You can let him just focus on destroying. And I think that could be a benefit to Son, who, as we saw in this game, when he's not thinking about following his runner, and he can just extend all his energy into stretching the defence. Harry Kane will find those passes, and other players will find those passes, and they'll get some joy out of it. It's interesting. I feel like Kane's definitely developed a more creative or creator style of his side sorry of his game he used to just literally just score goals but I feel like now he's I don't think he'd have have made those passes three or four maybe even two years ago no he'd have shot exactly a greedy fuck (laughs) should have passed to Sterling Kane maybe this is Mourinho teaching Kane how to become like Messi and Ronaldo be on the same level as he said in the all or nothing Tottenham Hotspur (sighs) He doesn't look pleased at that one. No. I don't, I tell you what, that all or nothing. Uh, I've talked about football documentaries and now you learn nothing. But the one thing I did learn was that Daniel Levy, I'm not convinced he knows anything about football. No. Uh, obviously, he knows something about business. But uh, what was the conversation him and Mourinho were having where he just kept looking to Mourinho to be like to like tell him what to say? And I'm like, this is bizarre. Really bizarre. He seems like... But you know what he's like? He's, he looks like a stepdad. It's his first Christmas with the kids, and he's just trying to—he's just trying to find out how to make them actually love him. That's what it's all a bit like. It felt a bit like uh, it's like Mourinho's really looking at him. You're not Abramovich. You're not my real dad. Like, get out of it. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Uh, anyway. <sighs> anyway, are you ready for another segue, Mike? Let's do it. Speaking of angry stepfathers, Slab and Billage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word <laughs> I've got another one speaking of stepfathers that have drunk too much Echo Falls of James Rodriguez there's another one um, so like let's, talk, more well. let's talk about Everton versus West Brom let's start with um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, because after last season's form where you were sort of like this is great but this reminds me a little bit of when Jelovic was really good for like six months and Benjani as well. well ben, let's not forget Benjani. Benjani was good. Was good. Just ask any Man City fan. Anyway, that being said, Dominic Calvert Lewin um, scored a hat trick. Looked really good. All it's sort of developed into a nice all around striker. I guess my question for you lads is: um, Everton have been searching for a striker for years, but is that they found one? I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, 
he seems to have developed his game so much, even in the last year. I always felt when he used to play, uh, he had he was doing all the right things. He worked. He's always worked so hard. He's always been pretty good at holding up. Always looking for a pass, but his finishing was never there. Phil now under Ancelotti, especially, he's you can rely on him more. But I also feel that he can rely on you can rely on him more because of the players they've put around him. Like he doesn't have to worry about coming to the halfway line because, like he, yeah, Corey Allen, James Rodriguez. Okay, because he doesn't he doesn't have to come into his own own half to get the ball because Tom no. Davis is doing his hair in the mirror again. Well, he also had a good uh, understanding with Richarlison last year that they formed. So when you have those two playing together and they already know how to play with some quality uh, in a midfield, which was definitely lacking last year. Yeah. He can just focus on doing what he needs to do as a striker and not have to worry about how he's going to get the ball because now he knows that someone's going to pick him out. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, what do you think of him? I think he's really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. really good. As Dave said, he's definitely developed. I think actually it might have been you, Will, who said he's, he's pretty much an all-around striker now. Yeah. Um, and as Dave said, he's developed everything uh, really nicely. And it definitely helps having Hammers, Alan Decore around him instead of having to rely on Iwobi and Walcott to get the ball into him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. His uh, link-up with Richarlison looks... They, they're definitely on the same wavelength. Um, it's a really good start to the season for both Everton and Calvert-Lewin. I think he's going to get a decent amount of goals this season in that team. Yeah. If he, so long as he stays fit. I think... It's a shame he's at Everton. I'd like to see what he could do in a in a yeah. slightly bigger team. Someone um, someone tweeted today and it made me laugh. Uh, uh, if this was a, if this was a few years ago and Fergie was still in charge, he'd be ringing up Moyes to <laughs> get uh, Calvert Lewin <laughs> at United for like ten ten million left. He'd actually be really good for United, Calvert Lewin. Has, has Calvert Lewin made an England debut yet? No, uh, I don't know. No, I don't think so. Uh, oh, I don't feel like he has, but he's surely got to be in the conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's played under twenty one certainly. Yeah, he's, he played under twenty ones. Always amazed. What always amazed me about Cavaloon is he's like six two. He's absolutely massive. Um, that anyway. Um, I think, like you said, Dave, the biggest catalyst, catalyst for Everton this season has been that midfield, and you actually wrote about it. Do you want to tell us why you've been so impressed with Everton's midfield? Well, there was a lot of problems uh, in last year's midfield. A lot of players, they were rotating, basically hoping they would find some form. One, sec- one second, Dave. Is your whole point about Everton's midfield going to be that Tom Davis is shit? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, may get a mention, but that's not the point. Not the main point, anyway. It was more the fact that they didn't have any players that they were rotating they could rely on. Fabian Dauf didn't really come off at all as a signing. Sigurdsson still... Fairly decent on the ball, but he's got the pace of someone using a Zimmer frame these days. So, can't really put him in midfield. Andre Gomez is still getting into the midfield. I'm still not sure what he does. Mm. Couldn't, couldn't really tell you. Um, I do want to actually congratulate Everton for being the first team ever to um, start a game with 10 men. For two weeks running. 
something else. Uh, Morgan Say first team like we didn't have Bakayoko. Anyway, sorry, Dave. Keep going. Schneiderlin was terrible the, the whole time, as much as I tried to make that something work. He was dreadful. Um, obviously, Tom Davis. I've said enough about him. Those five players, they were constantly having to rotate, um, hoping that they'd find some sort of consistency, and they never did. Apart from consistently shit, but there was no no free that became a starting free. Whereas this season, uh, they've signed free players to Corey Allen and Hamas, who all basically bring different elements to the midfield. Hamas can swan around picking out his passes, knowing that Allen will be there to mop up. Decore will be the engine in the midfield. Uh, Andre Gomez can do whatever he does because three people are doing better at what they do. Uh, and Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin can actually focus on trying to attack instead of screaming at Phil Walcott for a ball that doesn't come 42 times in the same game. So I think the, the better midfield as well helps to screen the defence that we were so yeah. yeah, yeah, every season. So I know they conceded two in this game. Which was a lovely goal by. Oh, yeah, both then, goals were great. The other to one be was honest. a free kick. So, I think um, I think they, they needed sh- they needed a centre back still. Yeah, Mina should have closed down Diane Garner. I don't really know what he was doing. Well, well I just think in terms Back-off. of depth as well, they def- they desperately need a centre back. Hope preferably one who's a bit quicker across the ground. Dave, just quickly, I know we've slated VAR, but there was there was one great VAR call in this game. Uh, Calvert Lewin's first goal. They ruled it offside oh, because right, the foot yeah. had hit Richardson. Actually, came off the back of Donal Furlong uh, mm-hmm. of West Brom. So obviously, Calvert Lewin couldn't be offside. That's what everyone wanted VAR to be That's when they introduced it. I there thought it, it was a great decision, um, and it. I had optimism because it was a was it not an early kickoff? So it was the first game of the week. Yeah, it went horribly downhill the rest of the week. Um, but if we're going to talk about the bad stuff, we need to talk about the good stuff too. They are, ladies and gentlemen, 40 episodes in. The insightful point has turned up. Um, let's move to the other side of VAR. It's been growing uh, well. Or maybe the other side of VAR. Um, what did we make of the Gibbs sending off? Definite sending off, yeah, but what did we make of it? I don't know what the heck he was thinking. Yeah, annoyed. Annoyed at him, really. You've got, so you've got Gabby Bonner on TalkSport just saying how much of a nice bloke he is and he must have seen the red mist or something. <laughs> It's like, shut up, Gabby. Dave? The thing with Gibbs is that West Brom team, there's not particularly many experienced players. He's one of the only players with any Prem experience, and he's a very experienced player at that. Billich just fumed at him. Um, Well, from the the dugout, the stands, as we'll get on to, because he wasn't allowed in the dugout for the second half. But I just don't know what he's thinking there. And the thing is, Hammer's doing that. I maybe understand that if Hammers had gone in properly late on him with like a, a challenge. But it was literally hardly anything in it. You could say Hammers went down too easily, but you can't be putting two hands in the player's face. I just thought it was ridiculous. And I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, people managed to hear the audio. So Gibbs was saying I'd do it again. And Seamus Coleman is like, no, you fucking won't. Do you think you're a big man or something? Hilarious. <laughs> Um, but yeah I don't know what he's doing and also it's 2-1 frustrated to have conceded two fairly quick goals but you're still in the game and they've proven in that first half that 
they could have got something out of the game. Just doing that, your whole team suffers. It's just ridiculous. Look, luckily for West Brom, the game he misses isn't um, isn't a particularly tough one. So there you are. Um, yeah, they're, they're away at Chelsea. Um, <laughs> and we'll come on to why that won't be tough. Um, Mike, uh, you also wrote something this weekend. Bloody hell, look at these two. Busy bees. The William Shakespeare of uh, sports media. Um, yeah, well, the, the, the viewers can decide that. <sighs> the readers, Mark, thank you. Uh, that being said, um, you had some takes about Mike Dean because Gabby Abunglahor had some takes about Mike Dean. Um, do you want to talk me through it? Because I thought you made a couple of good points. Yeah, th- this is quite interesting. There's basically the two sides of this one. Mis- Mr. Abunglahor's take, which is Mike Dean's an absolute authoritarian wanker and he doesn't <laughs> listen to anyone, which, <clears throat> in fact, his quote was, he's the most arrogant fool you will ever see. Um I, I think Hilarious because Bonhoeffer's clearly a really arrogant guy too. But yeah, well, if you, if you listen to what he was saying to Mike Dean, then yeah, <laughs> there was a bit of that in there as well. But um, it's I don't. Yeah, I mean, Mike Dean is pretty childish at times. Yeah, I've seen that before. But <laughs> the other way that you can look at this is that actually. Village isn't allowed to approach the ref on the field of play. No, he's got to wait to half time in the tunnel. Yeah, right. he's supposed to wait until either in the tunnel or the dressing rooms to go and have a word with him. And then I guess you can say whatever, pretty much whatever you want. Um, so Dean tells him to go away, go away, which everyone's taken as childish. But actually, mm-hmm. what he's doing is doing not having a conversation here. Yeah, stop saying something. When he does, when Village keeps going, he sends him off, which is. Fair enough. And I quite like the idea of getting a bit of dissent out of the game, to be honest. I think refs yeah. take enough stick outside of the pitch. so Because of sh- shit. But it doesn't help that they're, they're not great in general. But um, And interestingly, Peter Walton did... Act- I mean, I know he's team referee, but he did actually <laughs> say this on, on the coverage. <laughs> that Village can't approach the ref and it what? was just ignored by... Jake Humphrey and the pundits. Oh, oh Jake so. Humphrey peaked on news what, what around you, Mike. What do you, th- what Peter Walton? What do you think of the referee hacking down Dean Garner with an axe? Oh, I think <laughs> well, he's perfectly the entitled to. <laughs> I think he's perfectly entitled to. In situations like this, the red card offence isn't enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, okay. Thanks, thanks for that. Oh God. But yeah, no. The, I mean, there's definitely two sides. I can imagine I'll get a bit of stick for the. Backing Mike Dean a bit here because no one seems to like him, but yeah, it is an interesting one. Firstly, I find Mike Dean hilarious, so bit of a cult hero. But my issue with this is that he doesn't say to Billich at any point, We can speak about this in the tunnel. Surely, if Billich is shouting at you, you at least give him a chance and you say, Can we discuss this in the tunnel? But the other on the other foot, as you say, rules are rules, and Billich should know that. So <laughs> I do. I'd just like to see again some consistency on it, just, because if in all, loads of other games, wrestling rest, gets shouted at on the pitch by managers, well, as I long as there's some consistency this weekend, I don't think I've ever seen a ref send anyone off for that. Just, just to come back on that, um, why does Fingfanger the man- did once actually? Why, why when the manager? 
why when something's happened like this, does the manager go speak to the ref at half-time? What are you looking to gain out of it? You can't, no, change, I... you can't change the decision. Like, he's not going to go, he's not going to go, oh, you're right, Slaven. Oh, oh, that's a really good point. Let me just, let me put my, get my red card back in my pocket. It's not going to happen. Don't talk to him. You're just being silly. You, it's a lack of, it's a lack of experience from an experienced manager in Billich. What was it? What was it he wanted to speak to him about? Gibbs' red card? I don't know. It doesn't even matter. What? 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 Not. I assume that's what it was, but I don't know if that's the case. But literally, the there's only, nothing he can say. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the only thing I can think of is if you if you make the ref feel like you've been hard done by, maybe he'll give you a fifty-fifty in the second half or two. But at that level, I don't think it really makes a difference, to be honest. Especially with Mike Dean, he's just going to give whatever he thinks, and he's yeah. not going to care. Yeah. The leader of the what? celebrity refs. Yeah. And so uh, I think also one last thing just to come back on. Um, the whole idea of um, refs get too much stick. Refs get too much stick on the pitch um, from players. They really do. Um, yeah. However, that being said, uh, no, in any profession where you're as shit as a lot of the Premier League refs have been over the last season, do you not get called out for being shit? And referees are some of the most off the pitch are some of the most protected people in the world. I just feel that they're right. I would like to see managers have that ability to come out and almost rightfully criticise. And I know that your whole idea of pressure comes into it. But as we said, Mike, a referee, a referee. I know they're people, but they should be professional enough to be not, not be thinking, oh well, this guy gave me stick last time, but. It's not, it seems a bit unfair to me that we expect managers and players to sort of keep their emotions in when, if if the referee's making mistakes, that's just one thing to me. But then again, I think I don't, I don't like players surrounding, surrounding the ref. No, not on the pitch. Well, on think, the pitch, I think ca- captain going to speak to the ref is fine to ask why you or whatever. Yeah, why you made that decision, um, and then yeah, I think you should be able to go and speak to the ref at half-time or full-time if you want to and ask him what the hell he was doing or mm-hmm. what led him to make a certain decision. Um, but well, that, I don't think that's going to change any decisions at, no. at this sort of level, to be honest. But um, uh, that, You are right, though. I'm firmly in the belief that only the captain should be allowed to speak to the ref. Yeah. Only the captain. Um, like in rugby, that's what they do in rugby. Yeah. Yeah. And players surrounding the refs, gross. Absolutely gross. Always will be. Um, right. You ready for another segue? Go on, Will. Speaking of gross, how about this? Is not a Pascal gross segue, but oh, because that would be too good. Um, speaking of gross, Ch- Chelsea. Yeah, that's it. That's just <laughs> it. That's it. Uh, they uh, they lost two 0 to the champions of England. <laughs> um, Liverpool. Um, that is gross. After a Christensen sending off, two they're mar- also world champions. World, don't you forget that? Two, mar- yeah, okay, all right. They nicked that trophy <laughs> too. Um, well, also, <laughs> uh, also uh, before we get started, I just want to just want to give props to uh, Gary Neville for saying the funniest joke I heard all weekend. Yeah, which is when Thiago came, <laughs> when Thiago came on, Martin Tyler, who was in premium waffle mode the entire second half, he said nothing insightful. Goes, um. Goes, oh, you know, he knows perfect English. And Gary never goes, won't help him in those parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was quality. 
Yeah, but nothing work. will ever be Neil Warnock making a joke to Steven Gerrard that they don't have windows in Liverpool. <laughs> right next on, to Neil. It. <laughs> it's hilarious. Neil, we would like to wish. If you it. haven't seen it, watch it. It's it's hilarious. Just to Google Neil Warnock clips, they're all great. Um, that being said, right, so Chelsea didn't play well in this game. Liverpool played exceptionally well. Um, it was looked like one team at the start of its cycle and the other one um, at the peak of it. Um, obviously, I've got my own views on this, being the Barca fan that I am. So I'm going to let you two tell me what you thought first. And I'll tell you why Kepa's a fraud. You I thought... hopefully won't need to say that too much longer. <laughs> yeah, well, until he's um, been catapulted to Mars. I don't want to hear him. Anyway, keep going. I thought Liverpool played really well. I was particularly impressed with Fabinho filling yeah. in at centre-back. Yep. It looked very assured there. Um, Mane was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The whole team basically worked as you would be hoping they would be able to play. It's, it felt like they were still at the peak of their powers, this team, uh, despite people's reservations, including ours, that we've had. Um, but saying that Chelsea I wouldn't say mastered their own downfall because it's not like it's not like they lost solely because of what they did this Liverpool team were oh they did um, it was more yeah Chris, Christensen's red card no uh, no for as good as Liverpool uh, this defeat is totally was self-inflicted Absolutely self-inflicted. Both the goals and the sending off, it's all individual mistakes. I mean... The, the sending off was just one ball over the top. Which they yeah. Done by. Yeah, Christensen's wrong side of him and he fouls him because he realises he can't rely on Kepa being that far back. Uh, Kepa gets sent off, I yeah. think, if Christensen yeah. leaves him. So one of which, them is getting sent off. The, and then the, fir- the first goal, Marcus Alonso gets done on the 1-2, which he shouldn't be getting done on the 1-2, like that. And the second goal, I'm not even going to talk about it because Kepper pa- passes out to Mane. Kepper should not be playing football for Chelsea Football Club next week. He's not good enough. He's just not good enough. Uh, not that I'm exhausted how bad he is. But yeah, there's not much more to say on Kepper. I don't think there's already. But that's my point. For as good as Liverpool were, they didn't create clear-cut chances in the first half. They didn't really create anything. Um, until Chelsea shot themselves in the foot. At least that's how I read it. For as good as Liverpool were, that the game was still there. Yeah, I think the game was there, but I think Liverpool definitely win this game. Oh, I think they, I win. I think they win. I think they win. I I, obviously, Jorginho doesn't miss a pen very often, so that doesn't help. But I still, I still don't think that changes much, other than goal difference. Um, yeah, Liverpool are still very good. Really good. Um, I was impressed. And, and, sorry, and Chelsea need to stop making individual mistakes. They really all do. All over the pitch. Um, before we get to Chelsea, I was impressed with um, uh, Liverpool's, the quality of Liverpool's pressing. I don't think there's any team in the world that, that pins them back in like that. They were absolutely up at them. I mean, it left space in behind, which is the idea for Chelsea they wanted to exploit. But then you had um, Fabinho had a really good game. Mm-hmm. But I mean... Not to make, not. It's going to sound like I'm about to make an excuse, but um, 
Lampard got an absolute pelting on social media from Chelsea fans. One for not starting Hudson or Dully, because that meant they went without a winger. Um, and the second one was for sitting deep and trying to get Werner and Havertz free on the counter, which we saw them have a few tiny moments of success with. Um, I want to just ask you two, because to me it seems I can understand totally why he's done both those things, because hudson is not defensively disciplined enough and um, he's missing four first-teamers and trying to play up and at him with Marcus Alonso versus Salah seems to me like a um, recipe for disaster. What do you guys I think? I don't think there's many teams in the land that can go toe-to-toe with Liverpool and, and come out on top, particularly a Chelsea team that's full of mistakes at the back in particular, as we've mm-hmm. already discussed. And trying to get Werner and Havertz in behind. I think Werner's used to trying to get in behind, so that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Let him run. Um, I thought he looks lively. He's going to be really good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I said exactly the same last week, but I think he's going to score some goals. I think he is too. Hudson-Odoi-wise, give or take. I haven't seen too much of him recently to suggest why he would deserve a start, to be honest. No, so, no I haven't really got a huge issue sure. with him being left on the bench. So, Chelsea Twitter, maybe that's another one to get rid of. Yeah, I just... I, I, this this game, was, this game was weird. And I felt... Again, I felt sorry for Havertz because he was asked to play. His first two games, one they shunted him out wide where... And didn't get the ball to him. And then in the second one, they um they asked him to try and win headers against Van Dijk. And I actually thought for the first forty-five he looked nice and he had he had some good touches. But that being said, Chelsea's defence looks better this year already. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but that I mean Marcus Alonso's not good enough, but he was the only one of on that back four I didn't think was okay. I thought James was okay. I thought Zuma was excellent. And then Tomori, when he came on, was really good. Sorry, I said I only remember that back for Christensen's uh, shite as well. Um, but I thought to myself, as always, it's a shame when players, when teams play this early in the season and you don't get to see them actually playing for things that matter and finished articles. Because um, this game will be different when all the... I mean, it might it'll probably be the same result, but it at least be different and interesting tactically. Anyway, here we are. Let's move on. Because... Um, uh, I'm going to have to talk about Kepa if I keep talking about Chelsea. And I'm, I'm just tired, Kepa. I'm just tired, mate. I'm just tired. Like, I mean, how'd you do that? <laughs> like, like, just fuck off, pal. All right. I've just had enough of Kepa, I really have. Um, let's, let's move to the last game I think we're going to talk about. Um, Monday night kickoff, Man City's um, first game of the season. Mike, you indicated that you were impressed with Man City. Tell me why. Uh, yeah, they came flying out the traps, which is kind of what Wolves did Sheffield United last week, which is which was interesting. It kind of happened the opposite. Uh, and this game, De Bruyne was an absolute magician again. He's going to be great to watch all year. Um, the City press, I thought, was really good. They, particularly first half, stopped Wolves really with anything. Um, Foden as well, he scored a, quite a nice goal. Uh, and usually with Man City, after they go like 2-0 up, they just sort of cruise. 
which is kind of what happened. Jimenez scored uh, for Wolves after they'd had 20, 25 minutes of joy early in the second half. Um, and then they managed to get one in added time to seal it, which is, I feel like it's pretty unusual for City. They usually just keep pop the ball around and mm-hmm. just kill the game after about after two or three nil. But mm-hmm. yeah, City were very good, particularly first half. Um, I, I I think Wolves are going to have a good year, but they got mm-hmm. particularly first half got schooled a little bit. Yeah, that was, it felt like a case of, um, uh, it sounds like a cliche, but a real champion's performance from Man City, a statement of intent. Um, yeah. Dave, interesting that Jesus scored because Aguero is still injured and is always injured now every season. So it feels like he might actually um, play a bit more. Um, do you think he's good enough? I'd like to think he's good enough, but he's not proven it yet. This, If he's going to prove it, it has to be this season, surely. If he doesn't deliver this season, surely they don't give him another chance. Like he scored, he scored a decent amount of goals last year, but he should have scored far more. And that's that's the thing. Aguero is the sort of striker where everyone knows him for how clinical he is. Jesus becoming a striker for everyone knows how wasteful he is. You need, you need, and frankly, with Jesus, some of the chances he misses are ridiculous for a player at that level. He just he just has to be finishing them, and the whole he's young and whatever, it's sort of gone now. Like this is what fourth season, fifth season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still twenty three. Yeah, yeah, but he needs to he needs to show more this season if he's going to get the games. I feel. Um, I thought Wolves actually looked pretty good, considering this Man City team were an absolute monster for anyone to try and play. I think only Liverpool can try and go... Well, Man City and Liverpool are, I think, the only teams that can really go toe-to-toe with each other properly. Um, here comes uh, Will smiling. He reckons Chelsea have got some tricks up their sleeves this season. Sorry, no, I've got a notification on my phone. Have a hat trick. All right. So, wow. Sorry. Okay. I mean, yeah, it is only Barnsley, but still. Um, sorry. Uh, I did want to... Um, quickly shout out um something about wolves they look good here um but i know me and you dave were talking earlier today about how we thought um because they've announced the signing of nelson Semedo, who mm-hmm. um whenever you look at what spanish football experts are saying on twitter yeah, it's not, Sidlo, great. Yeah. not great bit of a weird window yeah um, yeah it's the opposite <laughs> What do you think Wolves' ambition is for this season and beyond? I think that ambition is to try and get into the Europa League properly. But I'm not... This window's weird. Usually with Wolves, what they've shown since going up, they make smart signings that sort of fit. Whereas this season, it looks like they've tried to rock the boat a bit. There's a few players they've not actually been all that happy with or they don't view them being part of the future. I'm not sure with Hotter, I think, to be honest. Maybe they've just got a good deal for him and maybe Hotter wanted to leave at this point. Um, yeah, I think that was decent money for him. Doherty. Okay. Phil Doherty, given he fits their system so well, to change that up for Semedo, strange. Hoover? 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 Hoover. He's... 
He's one for the Ed future. Rich. It could be good, but can't be playing him at <laughs> 18 in the Premier League, really. You know, so I I wouldn't I wouldn't trust You're... a fullback at 18. No, no, he's not really played enough senior football. Yeah, but he's played more senior football. Hoover's made like two cup appearances ever. Tarek Lamptey, before he signed for Brighton, had only ever played one uh, 45 minute stint away at Arsenal for Chelsea. That was his debut. Wow. And he was masterful. He was. Yeah, but surely if they're saying Nelson Semedo, they don't view him as being a starter. Unless they're going to try and convert him to being a centre back. Um, And then. Fabio Silva is a strange signing, to be honest. I'm not sure Wolves have the money or the squad depth to be throwing 35 million at an 18 year old midfielder no. that might not come off. I find that strange. Could be a masterstroke. Could be one of those worst signings of all time. But it's strange for me that they've done that because usually their signings are solid, like Pedance last season. Just a good so winger. Hey. Daniel Pedense. Pedense? Pedense, yeah. It's weird you say this because when they... If you... No, he scored for them. <laughs> he scored for Olympiacos against Wolves in the Europa League. If you what, listen to the commentary, they said Pedense. So I've said Pedense ever since. You're right. Commentators have never got it wrong. They've only been getting Angola Cantes wrong. Name wrong all for years. I'm just now. saying that's where I got it from. It's not like I've randomly started calling him something else. Yeah, but that was a, back to my point, Will, You've taken us on a tangent. Back to my point. A good signing. They needed a backup winger. He'd proven himself in the Europa League. Why not? And there wasn't massive money involved. And then this season, they're just throwing money at... Nelson Semedo, as we've said, not really ever had rave reviews. It's a strange one. Mike, when Doherty already possibly could prove to have been better than them. Is this the dark side of the Mendes relationship in full effect? Potentially. We'll They're all Mendes clients, aren't they? Uh, I believe so. Except for Hoover, I think. Yeah. Um, it certainly could be. We'll have to see how these pan out. But it seems like a lot of money for some players that there's a decently high chance they don't work out and it's as Dave said it's strange given previous form from Wolves really it's it, it to me just came out of a, a little bit out of nowhere and uh, we'll see we'll see how it comes oh, out I guess I was going to say Marcel maybe the the one signing that I'd be like okay fair enough mm. in normal windows yeah they they looked um, they looked like they just I think Wolves would be absolutely fine they should look like they got taught a lesson yeah. here but I do I just think it's interesting to see that um, look at some of their business and I was like oh oh well that's a bit of a weird one um just quickly um two couple of potential award winners in this game you've got your first look at KDB looked excellent looked like he's primed to go back to back um Raheem Sterling I think looked excellent I mean mm-hmm. maybe he's a shout for um player of the year maybe one of these days that being said I did want to just bit of shine for to old Phil Foden let me tell you now He's looking a player, Mike. He really is, yeah. He really, really is. Um, as much as I don't think any of us want to believe it. Well, I mean, what's the golden rule about young English talents? Yeah, don't overhype. But... No, no. Get them a sex scandal. Get them to that next level. <laughs> Honestly, as soon as I <laughs> saw Mason, did do well. As soon as I saw Mason Greenwood and Phil and Phil Foden on the on the phone to those Icelandic girls, I thought generational. You just love to see. <laughs> 
like, when he was like, you've got a friend, I'm like, what a team, mate. Honestly. Great. Great guy. Um, anyway, let's talk about Phil Foden, the footballer, because um, it was a nice goal and um, tapping for him, but he was impressive, I thought, in um, coming in off the right um, in the half space. I mean, if he's going to play there, um, probably not the long-term role in the David Silva mould that we thought. Because um, I did think it was interesting that Guardiola went with um, Fernandinho and Rodri, maybe because he was burnt by Wolves' counter-attack last year. But yeah. I did think it, it was interesting that Guardiola played essentially two sixes. Um, but yeah, Foden looks a talent. He really does. Yeah, he's going to be one to watch this year. I think yeah, he looks... He looks unbelievable. I think Foden. I'm him for young player of the year, by the way. I think there's a good chance he'll win that. Give uh, the, re- the readers slash viewers an insight to an article that's coming soon. Yeah. But that being said, um, I think that'll do it for this week, chaps, because Lord knows I don't want to talk about Villa Sheffield United. Because I honestly, it's like, if, if there was like an equivalent of a boggy battlefield... With a swamp, they was that game. Christ. We've also talked about Arsenal for hours at this point. We don't need to mention them. Here's my review of the Arsenal game. Arsenal were bad and still won, which bodes well for them. There you are. Yeah. There you are. Uh, Brighton beat Newcastle. Newcastle were awful. Mm. And Leicester beat Burnley. Leicester were decent. Yeah. Leeds are bad, but not as bad as Fulham. Else. Oh, yeah. Basically. Seven goals again in the Leeds game. Yeah, no one's as bad as Fulham. Fulham, oh. Neither of those Ooh. sides can defend. Oh, when do when do Liverpool play Fulham? Don't know well, but I can look. When do Man City play Fulham? Because these are all going to be great. <laughs> it can the be City like Fulham one now. will be. Oh, Horror. City well, City Fulham. Can they get to triple figures? I mean, who knows? Um. Anyway, that'll do us for this week, lads. Um. Dave, the people want to follow you. Where can they follow you? Uh, at Dave Harris underscore forty four. Mikey, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Uh, at Mikey Breslin, if if anyone wanted to know when City and Liverpool play Fulham, fifth of December. December and the twelfth, they go back to back City and Liverpool. Jesus, Fulham, which what is going to be a horrendous stretch for their fans. That's week. They're going to have Fulham are going to have such a mare that week that it won't be comparable to anything we've seen since Mike wrote an article comparing Joel Linton to Femi. <laughs> Who bagged two tonight? Yeah, who against? Against Morecambe, crucially. Morecambe, okay. Crucially, we move. More confidence for my boy. Here it Uh, comes. More confidence. Anyway, um, (laughs) some confidence. You can follow me. You can follow me at Will Hunt Seventeen, where I'll probably, um, I probably will tweet about Kepper at some point. Yeah, just keep an eye out for that because you'll have to click for the graphic content. Um, (laughs) But please don't follow us. On our personals, please instead follow us at In and Around Pod on all socials where you can chat to us and keep up to date with all the latest stuff we're doing. And if you didn't know by now, from the various references to that podcast, we've recently launched a website where we're writing down all our latest thoughts, including what we learned from uh, the weekend's action, of which Dave and Mike did a double job this week, um, which is really nice and interesting. I mean, you can read about Dave's EFL teams that he's picking for the season, including Barnes. Yeah, not, not doing um, well so far, is it? Uber, First week, first week had two centre backs sent off, and are currently losing five nil to Chelsea. Um, so yeah, yeah certainly one to watch if you're a fan of the other team playing them. Um, and you can also keep up to date with our picks for the Premier League awards, which is coming very soon. Um, and if you've got any questions for the podcast, either send them us to Twitter or um, email us at inaroundpod at gmail.com 
Or alternatively, again, if you want to talk to Dave, just find your nearest trash manager shouting it. <laughs> he'll, he'll get it. He'll get it eventually. He will do. Yeah. And he'll reply, but Charleston's really good. Anyway, right. let's move on. And ladies and gentlemen, just remember, this is the 40th episode of the In The Round podcast. And it was the first one where Dave said something insightful. Until next time. Good Bye. night.